explore position of Islam in the scale of civilization of two old faiths essays on the religions of the hindus and the mohammedans by murray mitchell and william muir this librivox recording is in the public domain read by scientilla to tempudi dallas texas december 2018 low position of islam in the scale of civilization i pass on to consider why mohammedan nations occupy so low a position halting as almost everywhere they do in the march of social and intellectual development the reason is not far to find islam was meant for arabia not for the world for the arabs of the seventh century not for the arabs of all time and being such and nothing more its claim of divine origin renders change or development impossible it has within itself neither the germ of natural growth not the lively spring of adaptation muhammad declared himself a prophet to the arabs and however much in his later days he may have contemplated the reformation of other religions beyond the peninsula or the further spread of his own which is doubtful still the rites and ceremonies the customs and the laws enjoyed upon his people were suitable if suitable at all for the arabs of that day and in many respects for them alone again the code containing these injunctions social and ceremonial as well as doctrinal and didactic is embodied with every particularity of detail as part of the divine law in the koran and so defying as sacrilege all human touch it stands unalterable forever from the stiff and rigid shroud in which it is thus swat the religion of muhammad cannot emerge it has no plastic power beyond that exercised in its earliest days hardened now and inelastic it can neither adapt itself nor yet shape its votaries nor even suffer them to shape themselves into the varying circumstances the wants and developments of mankind we may judge of the local and inflexible character of the faith from one or two of its ceremonies to perform the pilgrimage to mecca and mount arafat with the slaying of victims at mina and the worship of the kaaba is an ordinance obligatory with the condition only that they have the means on all believers who are bound to make the journey even from the farthest ends of the earth an ordinance intelligible enough in a local worship but unmeaning and impracticable when required of a worldwide religion the same may be said of the fast of ramzan it is prescribed in the koran to be observed by all with undeviating strictness during the whole day from earliest dawn till sunset throughout the month with specified exemptions for the sick and penalties of every occasion on which it is broken the command imposed thus with an iron rule on male and female young and old operates with excessive inequality in different seasons lands and climates however suitable to countries near the equator where the variations of day and night are immaterial the fast becomes intolerable to those who are far removed either toward the north or the south and still closer to the poles where night merges into day and day into night impracticable again with the lunar year itself an institution divinely imposed the month of ramzan travels in the third of a century from month to month over the whole cycle of a year 
the fast was established at a time when ramzan fell in winter and the change of season was probably not foreseen by the prophet but the result is one which under some conditions of time and place involves the greatest hardship for when the fast comes round to summer the trial in a sultry climate like that of the burning indian plains of passing the whole day without a morsel of bread or a drop of water becomes to many the occasion of intense suffering such is the effect of the arabian legislators attempt at circumstantial legislation in matters of religious ceremonial nearly the same is the case with all the religions obligations of islam prayer illustration etc but although the minuteness of detail with which these are enjoined tends toward the jejune and formal worship which we witness everywhere in moslem lands still there is nothing in these observances themselves which religion apart should lower the social condition of mohammedan populations and prevent their emerging from that normal state of semi-barbarism and uncivilized depression in which we find all moslem peoples for the cause of this we must look elsewhere and it may be recognized without doubt in the relations established by the koran between the sexes polygamy divorce servile concubinage and the veil are at the root of moslem decadence in respect of married life the condition allotted by the koran to women is that of an inferior dependent creature destined only for the service of her master liable to be cast adrift without the assignment of a single reason or the notice of a single hour while the husband possesses the power of a divorce absolute immediate unquestioned no privilege of a corresponding nature has been reversed for the wife she hangs on however unwilling neglected or superseded the perpetual slave of her lord if she be his will when actually divorced she can indeed claim her dower her hire as it is called in the too plain language of the koran but the knowledge that the wife can make this claim is at the best a miserable security against capricious taste and in the case of born maids even that imperfect check is wanting the power of divorce is not the only power that may be exercised by the tyrannical husband authority to confine and to beat his wife is distinctly vested in his discretion thus restrained secluded degraded the mere minister of enjoyment liable at the caprice or passion of the moment to be turned adrift it would be hard to say that the position of a wife was improved by the code of muhammad even if the privilege of divorce and marital tyranny be not exercised the knowledge of its existence as a potential right must tend to abate the self-respect and in like degree to weaken the influence of the sex impairing thus the ameliorating and civilizing power which she was meant to exercise upon mankind and the evil has been stereotyped by the koran for all time i must quote one more passage from principal fairbane on the lowering influence of moslem domestic life the god of muhammad spares the sins the arab loves a religion that does not purify the home cannot regenerate the race one that depraves the home is certain to deprave humanity motherhood is to be sacred if manhood is to be honorable 
spoil the wife of sanctity and for the man the sanctities of life have perished and so it has been with islam it has reformed and lifted savage tribes it has depraved and barbarized civilized nations at the root of its fairest culture a worm has ever lived that has caused its blossom soon to wither and die were muhammad the hope of man then his state were hopeless before him could only be retrogression tyranny and despair still worse is the influence of servile concubinage the following is the evidence of a shrewd and able observer in the east all zinana life must be bad for men at all stages of their existence in youth it must be ruined to be petted and spoiled by a company of submissive slave girls in manhood it is no less an evil that when a man enters into private life his affection should be put up to auction among foolish fond competitors full of mutual jealousies and slanders we are not left entirely to conjecture as to the effect of female influence on home life when it is exerted under these unenlightened and demoralizing conditions that is plainly an element lying at the root of all the most important features that differentiate progress from stagnation such are the institutions which grow at the root of islam and prevent the growth of freedom and civilization by these the unity of the household is fatally broken and the purity and virtue of the family tie weakened the vigor of the dominant classes is sapped the body politic becomes weak and languid excepting for introduce and the throne itself liable to fall a prey to a doubtful and contested succession contested by the progeny of the various rivals crowded into the royal harem from the palace downward polygamy and servile concubinage lower the moral tone loosen the ties of domestic life and hopelessly depress the people nor is the veil albeit under the circumstances a necessary precaution less detrimental though in a different way to the interests of muslim society this strange custom owes its origin to the prophet's jealous temperament it is forbidden in the koran for women to appear unveiled before any member of the other sex with the exception of certain near relatives of specified propinquity and this law coupled with other restrictions of the kind has led to the imposition of the burqa or kurda the dress which conceals the person and the veil and to the greater or less seclusion of the harem and zinana this ordinance and the practices flowing from it must survive more or less so long as the koran remains the rule of faith it may appear at first sight a mere negative evil a social custom comparatively harmless but in truth it has a more debilitating effect upon the muslim race perhaps than anything else for by it woman is totally withdrawn from her proper place in the social circle she may indeed in the comparatively laxer license of some lands be seen flitting along the streets or driving in her carriage but even so it is like one belonging to another world veiled shrouded and cut off from intercourse with those around her free only in the retirement of her own secluded apartments she is altogether shut out from her legitimate sphere 
in the duties and enjoyments of life but the blight on the sex itself from this unnatural regulation sad as it is must be regarded as a minor evil the mischief extends beyond her the tone and framework of society as it came from the maker's hands are altered damaged and deteriorated from the veil there flows his double injury the bright refining softening influence of woman is withdrawn from the outer world and social life wanting the gracious influences of the female sex becomes as we see throughout muslim lands forced hard unnatural and morose moreover the mohammedan nations for all purposes of common elevation and for all efforts of philanthropy and liberty are as they live in public and beyond the inner recess of their homes but a truncated and imperfect exhibition of humanity they are wanting in one of its constituent parts the better half the humanizing and the softening element and it would be against the nature of things to suppose that the body thus shorn and mutilated can possess in itself the virtue and power of progress reform and elevation the link connecting the family with social and public life is detached and so neither is en rapport as it should be with the other reforms fail to find entrance into the family or to penetrate the domestic soil where alone they could take root growing to the national mind life and be perpetuated under such conditions the seeds of civilization refuse to germinate no real growth is possible in free and useful institutions nor any permanent and healthy force in those great movements which elsewhere tend to uplift the masses and elevate mankind there may it is true be some advance from time to time in science and in material prosperity but the social groundwork for the same is wanting and the people surely relapse into the semi-barbarism forced upon them by an ordinance which is opposed to the best instincts of humanity sustained progress becomes impossible such is the outcome of an attempt to improve upon nature and banish woman the helpmate of man from the position assigned by god to her in the world at the same time i am not prepared to say that in view of the laxity of the conjugal relations inherent in the institutions of islam some such social check as that of the veil apart from the power to confine and castigate is not needed for the repression of license and the maintenance of outward decency there is too much reason to apprehend that free social intercourse might otherwise be dangerous to morality under the code of muhammad and with the example before men and women of the early worthies of islam so long as the sentiments and habits of the muslim world remain as they are some remedial or preventative measure of the kind seems indispensable but the peculiarity of muslim polity as we have seen in such that the sexual laws and institutions which call for restrictions of the kind as founded on the koran are incapable of change they must coexist with the faith itself and last while it lasts so long then as this polity prevails the depression of woman as well as her exclusion from the social circle must injure the health and vitality of the body politic impair its purity and grace paralyze vigor 
retard progress in the direction of freedom philanthropy and moral elevation and generally perpetuate the normal state of mohammedan peoples as one of semi barbarism to recapitulate we have seen first that islam was propagated mainly by the sword with the tide of conquest the religion went forward where conquest was arrested made no advance beyond and at the withdrawal of the muslim arms the faith also commonly retired second the inducements whether material or spiritual to embrace islam have proved insufficient of themselves speaking broadly to spread the faith in the absence of the sword and without the influence of the political or secular arm third the ordinances of islam those especially having respect to the female sex have induced an inherent weakness which depresses the social system and retards its progress if the reader should have followed me in the argument by which these conclusions have been reached the contrast with the christian faith has no doubt been suggesting itself at each successive step christianity as alkindi has so forcibly put in gained a firm footing in the world without the sword and without any aid whatever from the secular arm so far from having the countenance of the state it triumphed in spite of opposition persecution and discouragement my kingdom said jewish is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight that i should not be delivered to the jewish but now is my kingdom not from hands for this end came i into the world that i should bear witness to the truth every one that is of the truth heareth my voice the religion itself in its early days offered no worldly attractions or indulgences it was not like islam an easy way whether in withdrawal from social observances deeply tainted with idolatry the refusal to participate in sacrificial ceremonies insisted on by the rulers or in the renunciation of indulgences inconsistent with a saintly life the christian profession required self-denial at every step but otherwise the teaching of christianity nowhere interfered with the civil institutions of the countries into which it penetrated or with any social customs or practices that were not in themselves immoral or idolatrous it did not indeed neglect to guide the christian life but it did so by the enunciation of principles and rules of wide and far-reaching application these no less than the injections of the koran served amply for the exigencies of the day but they have done a vast deal more they have proved themselves capable of adaptation to the most advanced stages of social development and intellectual elevation and what is infinitely more it may be claimed for the lessons embodied in the gospel that they have been themselves promotive if indeed they have not been the immediate cause of all the most important reforms and philanthropies that now prevail in christendom the principles thus laid down contain germs endowed with the power of life and growth which expanding and flourishing slowly it may be but surely have at the last borne the fruits we see take for example the institution of slavery it prevailed in the roman empire 
at the introduction of Christianity as it did in Arabia at the rise of Islam. In the Muslim code, as we have seen, the practice have been perpetuated. Slavery must be held permissible so long as the Quran is taken to be the rule of faith. The divine sanction thus impressed upon the institution and the closeness with which by law and custom it intermingles with social and domestic life make it impossible for any Mohammedan people to impugn slavery as contrary to sound morality or for anybody of loyal believers to advocate its abolition upon the ground of principle. There are, moreover, so many privileges and gratifications accruing to the higher classes from its maintenance that, excepting under the strong pressure of European diplomacy, no sincere and hearty effort can be expected from the Muslim race in the suppression of the inhuman traffic, the horrors of which, as pursued by Muslim slave traders, their prophet would have been the first to denounce. Look now at the wisdom with which the gospel treats the institution. It is nowhere in so many words proscribed, for that would, under the circumstances, have led to the abnegation of relative duties and the disruption of society. It is accepted as a prevailing institution recognized by the civil powers. However desirable freedom might be, slavery was not inconsistent with the Christian profession. Art thou call being a servant, care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. The duty of obedience to his master is enjoined upon the slave, and the duty of mildness and urbanity towards his slave is enjoined upon the master. But with all this was laid the seed which grew into emancipation. Our father gave the keynote of freedom, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There is neither born nor free, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. He that is called in the Lord, being a servant is the Lord's free man. The converted slave is to be received, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. The seed has borne its proper harvest, late in time, no doubt, but by a sure and certain development, the grand truth of the equality of the human race and the right of every man and woman to freedom of thought and within reasonable limit of law to freedom of action has triumphed and it has triumphed through the spirit and the percepts inculcated by the gospel eighteen hundred years ago nor is it otherwise with the relations established between the sexes polygamy divorce and concubinage with born maids have been perpetuated as we have seen by islam for all time and the ordinances connected therewith have given rise in the laborious task of defining the conditions and limits of what is lawful to a mass of prurient casuistry defiling the books of Mohammedan law. Contrast with this our Saviour's words, he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. From which simple utterance have resulted monogamy, and in the absence of adultery, the indissolubility of the marriage bond. While in respect of conjugal duties, we have seen large but 
sufficiently intelligible commands as to render due benevolence whereby while the obligations of the marriage state are maintained christianity is saved from the impurities which in expounding the ordinances of muhammad surround the sexual ethics of islam and cast so foul a stain upon its literature take again the place of woman in the world we need no injection of the veil or the harem as the temples of the holy ghost the body is to be kept undefiled and everyone is to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor men not to treat the elder women as mothers the younger as sisters with all purity women are to adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety these and such like maxims embrace the whole moral fitness of the several relations and duties which they define they are adapted for all ages of time and for all conditions of men they are capable of being taken by every individual for personal guidance according to his own sense of propriety and they can be accommodated by society at large with a due reference to the habits and customs of the day the attempt of muhammad to lay down with circumstantial minuteness the position of the female sex the veiling of her person and her withdrawal from the gaze of man has resulted in seclusion and degradation while the spirit of the gospel and injections like that of giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel have borne the fruit of women's elevation and have raised her to the position of influence honor and equality which notwithstanding the marital superiority of the husband in the ideal of christian family she now occupies in the social scale in the type of musliman government which though not laid down in the koran is founded upon the spirit of the faith and the precedent of the prophet the civil is indissolubly blended with the spiritual authority to the detriment of religious liberty and political progress the emir or commander of the faithful should as in the early times so also in all ages to be imam or religious chief and as such he should preside at the weekly cathedral service it is not a case of the church being subject to the state or the state being subject to the church here as we used to see in the papal domains the church is the state and the state the church they both are one and in this we have another cause of the backwardness and depression of mohammedan society since the abolition of the temporal power in italy we have nowhere in christian lands any such theocratic union of caesar and the church so that secular and religious advance is left more or less unhampered whereas in islam the hierarchio-political constitution has hopelessly welded the secular arm with the spiritual in one common chapter to the furthering of despotism and elimination of the popular voice from its proper place in the concerns of state and so throughout the whole range of political religious social and domestic relations the attempt made by the founder of islam to provide for all contingencies and to fix everything aforehand by rigid rule and scale has availed to cramp and benumb the free activities of life 
and to paralyze the natural efforts of society at healthy growth expansion and reform as an author already quoted has so well put it the koran has frozen mohammedan thought to obey it is to abandon progress writers have indeed been found who dwelling upon the benefits conferred by islam on idolatrous and savage nations have gone so far as to hold the religion of mohammed may in consequence be suited to certain portions of mankind as if the faith of jesus might peaceably divide with it the world but surely to acquiesce in a system which reduces the people to a dead level of social depression despotism and semi-barbarism would be abhorrent from the first principles of philanthropy with the believer who holds the gospel to be good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people such a notion is on higher grounds untenable but even in the view of purely secular considerations it is not only untenable but altogether unintelligible as i have said elsewhere the eclipse in the east which still sheds its blight on the ancient seats of jerome and chrysostom and shrouds in darkness the once bright and famous seats of cyprian and augustine have been disastrous everywhere to liberty and progress equally as it has been to christianity and it is only as that eclipse shall pass away and the sun of righteousness again shine forth that we can look to the nations now dominated by islam sharing with us those secondary but precious fruits of divine teaching then with the higher and enduring blessings which our faith bestows but not till then we may hope that there will follow likewise in their wake freedom and progress and all that tends to elevate the human race although with the view of placing the argument on independent ground i have refrained from touching the peculiar doctrines of christianity and the inestimable benefits which flow to mankind therefrom i may be excused before i conclude if i add a word regarding them the followers of muhammad have no knowledge of god as a father still less have they knowledge of him as our father the god and father of the lord jesus christ they acknowledge indeed that jesus was a true prophet sent of god but they deny his crucifixion and death and they know nothing of the power of his resurrection to those who have found redemption and peace in these the grand and distinctive truths of the christian faith it may be allowed to mourn over the lands in which the light of the gospel has been quenched and these blessings blotted out by the material forces of islam where together with civilization and liberty christianity has given place to gross darkness and it is as if now there were no more sacrifice for sins we may and we do look forward the earnest expectation to the day when knowledge of salvation shall be given to these nations by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our god whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace but even apart from these the special blessings of christianity i ask which now of the two faiths bears in its birth and growth 
the mark of a divine hand and which the human stamp which looks likest the handiwork of the god of nature who hath laid the measures of the earth and hath stretched the line upon it but not the less with an ever-varying adaptation to time and place and which the artificial imitation as a reformer mohammed did indeed advance his people to a certain point but as a prophet he left them fixed immovably at that point for all time to come as there can be no return so neither can there be any progress the trees of artificial planting instead of containing within itself the germ of growth and adaptation to the various requirements of time and clime and circumstance expanding with the genial sunshine and the rain from heaven it remains the same forced and stunned thing as when first planted twelve centuries ago such is islam now what is christianity listen to the prophetic words of the founder himself who compares it to the works of nature so is the kingdom of god as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up he knoweth not how for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself first the blade then the ear after that the full corn in the ear and again whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of god or with what comparison shall we compare it it is like a grain of mustard seed which when it is sown in the earth is less than all seeds that be in the earth but when it is sown it groweth up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots or great branches so that the falls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it which is nature and which is art let the reader judge which bears the impress of man's hand and which that of him who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working in fine of the arabian it may be said neither to shall thou come but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed but of christ his name shall endure for ever his name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him all nations shall call him blessed he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth blessed be the lord god the god of israel who only doeth wondrous thing and blessed be his glorious name for ever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory amen and amen end of low position of islam in the scale of civilization read by scientilla de dempudi Dallas, Texas, December 2018. End of Two Old Faiths: Essays on the Religions of the Hindus and the Mohammedans by Murray Mitchell and William Muir.